Hello, and welcome back to another episode of the 343 Podcast. Today's episode is a fun one. At age 16, Tristan Bowen used a fake ID to get himself on the field during an LA Galaxy Open tryout. And shortly after that, he was offered a professional contract. And Tristan would ultimately become the first official homegrown player in MLS history. Now, on paper, it seems like a dream come true. But the story isn't as straightforward as you would think. And the guest on today's show is obviously Tristan Bowen. And Tristan says there's so much that people do not know. Not just about the process of becoming the first homegrown player, which is a surprising story, but there's a lot that people don't know about becoming and staying a professional soccer player in general. The hours spent training outside of organized practice, navigating through opportunities and contracts, both good and bad, the importance of having a strong support system comprised of family and close friends. Those are all things that we really just don't understand as fans of the game. So Tristan and I dove deep into what it took to turn him into the player that he is today. He took a way more accelerated track than most kids. In fact, most kids wouldn't be able to handle what Tristan went through. That's just a fact. Now, some of the most interesting parts of Tristan's story revolved around what happened during the earliest stages of his career. And he talked a lot about his family, specifically the role that his uncle played. His uncle was there from the beginning. His uncle was the one that pulled him out of club soccer in Southern California. His uncle was the one who made him play with the older kids. His uncle was the one who sent him to Brazil for a summer. His uncle knew how to push him. His uncle knew when to push him. And his uncle also knew when to protect him. And if Tristan needed to choose just one person to look out for his best interests, he knew it had to be his uncle. And it's well known that trusting and relying on people who have been with you from the beginning and have helped you get to where you are is very smart in the soccer world. Those people are the ones who have proven to have your back. Now, for example, the two best players in the world, Messi and Neymar, are represented by their fathers. It didn't matter that neither had experience as agents. Now, contrast that to the nightmare that Mascherano and Tevez had when they allowed a big agency to rep them. See, it makes sense though, right? Who truly has your best interests at heart? And that is something that, you'll hear, that you're going to hear Tristan allude to as well. But that's not all. Tristan's career has taken some unexpected twists and turns. He opened up about some of the troubles that he's encountered during his journey. Specifically, what it was like trying to make it as an American player in Europe. Now, the lack of connections between traditional American sports agencies and European clubs, that's a big deal. And having a hard time finding a coach in Europe that believed in him, yeah, that's a, that's a big deal too. And also finding the right opportunity to allow him to excel. At age 26, Tristan still hasn't found his footing, but he's back in the United States now, and he's armed with 10 years worth of experiences in the professional soccer ecosystem. He knows what he's capable of, and what he can provide for a team. He has a clear idea of what he's looking for. Now, it's all about finding the right match. The story of MLS's first ever homegrown player will definitely surprise you. But there's no better person to tell that story than Tristan Bowen himself. 
So I hope that you enjoy this episode of the 343 Podcast with Tristan Bowen. This episode of the 343 Podcast is brought to you by 343coaching.com. That's the number three, number four, number three, coaching, all spelled out, dot com. And on 343coaching.com, you can find all of our articles, all of our podcast episodes. You can find links to our free and our premium coaching courses. And you can also find links to our live in-person experiences, including our Players Club. If you would like to find out more, please visit 343coaching.com. That's the number three, number four, number three, coaching.com. And with that, enjoy this episode of the 343 podcast. Tristan, you there? Yeah, is that better? Uh, yeah, it sound, sounds better. You okay, really cut cool. out there towards the um, end. But. All right. I'm just kind of, because I'm in my apartment. And uh-huh. sometimes it's just like hitting hit and miss. Um, oh, for sure. You know what? Let me move towards the living room by the door. I usually get a little bit more reception there. We'll see cool. down there. But um, yeah, are you? So you know, I was doing a little research on you guys and, and what you what you're all about, and I didn't realize that is it your team that um, you know, had that, with that video that went viral a couple years ago, right. With the, the team that was killing that other team. <laughs> yeah. Like the, the 10 year olds, the 11 year olds. Yeah. Yeah. I remember yeah. seeing that in passing. I was like, wow, this is, this is nuts, dude. Yeah. No, that's, that's not my team. I had, I had no affiliation with, uh, with three, four, three at that time, actually. Um, oh. that was, uh, that was coached by Brian Kleiben and he's now, uh, I, he's now coaching at the LA galaxy. He's there. Gotcha. There are you 18s and you 16s coach. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, like seven years ago or so, all, all those same kids, they were playing for Brian. And, and, and those are all the kids that are in that video. Uh, mm. that, yeah, it went viral, dude. I mean, it got picked up by newspapers in England and in Spain. And of course, yeah. on, on YouTube went nuts. And Right, right. And all those kids now, they're like 15, 16, 17 years old. And, and they're kind of, mm-hmm. they're making their way through the, through the DA system and and yeah. um, they had a they had a quick stop at at Chivas USA mm-hmm. um, before going to Galaxy, but this is uh, yeah. this is their home now. Okay, which I think yeah. that it's super interesting though to to kind of bring you into the into the picture because mm-hmm. I mean eventually it, eventually these guys are going to sign homegrown contracts with LA right. Galaxy, and and you were the first one to do that. Yeah, so I, I think that that's kind of an interesting little piece of the puzzle. That, yeah, that people uh, should probably should probably hear because I I honestly I I don't know if I just never gave it thought before, but to think that the first homegrown player was signed in two thousand and eight that just seems absurd to me. Like, why did that not happen before? <laughs> uh, I'll share that in the interview. There's so much stuff that people don't know about just the whole process and how backwards it was for a while and even now there's still so much we're still so far off you know yeah for sure yeah yeah um i mean i i'm sure you know how call recorder works it's already recording i don't know if you're you're comfortable just just going with it yeah we can we can do it we can do it um let's keep let's keep rolling then awesome so uh you know right where you were talking about um you know i was obviously the first homegrown player in mls history and It just kind of came about um, by accident, really. I was uh, back home for 
um, just kind of getting ready for my whole uh, trip back to Brazil. I was just in Corinthians with their club, and I went on trial, and I passed the trial, and I was supposed to go back to the U-17 team. And as I was back for the next two months, it was just getting ready to go back. And um, during that time period, my uncle, who's been my trainer since the age of 14, um, you know, we, we decided that I, I couldn't exactly come back to the U.S. and play club soccer in preparation to, to go play with the U-17 team in Brazil with Corinthians. So, um, at, like, right around that time, I think David Beckham just got to, to the LA Galaxy and they were holding an open tryout. And the way they advertised it was, you know, it was an 18 and over thing. There were going to be players from all over the world and, and professional level players. And we just thought it would be a great idea to go out there and test myself and see exactly where I am. Um, I thought, you know, obviously my ability was at that level or, or higher. And we expected it to be higher because, you know, we were playing with high level players. So, you know, like, like I said, we, we make a, we made a fake ID literally the night before paid $150 and showed up the next day. We were a bit, uh, wait, you, wait, know, wait. you, you paid $150 for a fake ID or for the registration for the, no, trial? no. For the registration, we okay. literally made a fake idea at the house. You know, we got some printer paper. Uh, we just did some cutting and pasting, and uh, we went and got it laminated. And, you know, $150 for the registration into uh, the tryout. So we went there the next day, and, uh, you know, there was this buildup about how, you know, if it was going to work, if they were going to look at it and say, hey, this is not a real idea. We need an actual California ID. Um, but luckily it was... It was uh, two women working at the front, just checking things in, and I just gave them my ID and just kind of played it cool, and, and we got through. So, obviously, you know, we, we you know spent the entire weekend there, and, um, you know, it was kind of a situation where it was, hey, listen, if you don't do well in this tryout, I don't think going back to the Bra Brazil is going to be a good idea for you. So, there was a lot of pressure for me to do well, um, and that's kind of how we've always operated. Um, I've never looked at kids in, in my age group as, uh, you know, like a marker, um, per se, you know, we, we're obviously aware of who was doing well, um, around us, but my aim was always professional and, and everything that we did was at that level, um, of intensity or speed when we were doing drills. So, you know, we go out there, um, start off really well. And, you know, I noticed over the course of the next few days, uh, more and more coaches were watching uh, my games. In particular, um, Trevor James came out and, and he was at, at literally every game. And progressively over the next couple of days, there were more and more. So, um, you know, fast forward to the last day of the tryout, uh, you know, I think I was, if I'm not mistaken, I was approached by Paul Bravo who was then, I believe, the director of soccer at the LA Galaxy. And, you know, he says, hey, kid, we like what you're doing. Um, you know, we're taking a good look at you. Just, you know, keep it up, you know, going into those last games. So then I started freaking out, um, not because I was nervous that people were watching me, but more so that, hey, they, they might look bad if they actually picked me because I made a fake ID. So, you know, right before the last game, my uncle and I are trying to figure out the best way to let them know uh, that I'm actually 16, was I 16? No, I think I was just turning 15 or 16 at the time. And, uh, you know, we, we came up with a plan that right before kickoff, run over, whispered in their ear, 
and that way I'd be able to play the game because that was most important for me, just being able to to play and see if the things that I was working on uh, behind closed doors were translating into the game. So it worked, um, scored two goals in that game, uh, played well, or at least I thought it did. And, um, you know, on the way back home, you know, I was getting chewed out in the car by my uncle and, and my brother because there were a couple things that I didn't execute well enough um, that we were spending a lot of time working on. And we get a call from a 310 number. And, you know, on the other end of the line was Alexi Wallace. So I put the phone on speaker and he was just saying that he was, you know, blown away by my level uh, of play. And, and obviously they, they thought that I was somebody that, you know, could compete at that professional level. Um, and even more so now, they're even more excited because they just found out I was 16. You know, they, they were excited when they thought I was 18. So, um, you know, from that point on, I obviously, I went in the next day and, and, you know, I spoke to them, told them I was, you know, thinking about going back to Brazil. I had a great opportunity there. And, um, you know, they made a case for me staying in L.A. and, and began training with our first team. So spoke to my family about it and um you know they 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 said that you know it would probably be best that i'm close by they can uh, just keep an eye out on me and and you know continue to develop as a player so that was something that you know to be honest with you i i like the sound of it so that's what happened i stayed back and and you know i immediately started training with the first team and at that time uh they didn't have the youth academy and I think, actually, the way I started training with the first team was what they said is they were making a youth academy and they wanted me to be the first player, a part of it. Um, and, you know, that was around the beginning of the year. And long story short, the academy wasn't uh, ready to go until the end of that year. So in the meantime, to make sure that I didn't leave and go back to Brazil, they threw me in with the first team. And that's how I started training with them uh, consistently. So, you know, they initially threw me in uh, maybe one or two days during the week and when they saw that I can hold my own uh, they asked me to come every day and at that time you know by the end of the year that you know I still have the first couple emails uh, from Trevor James about you know the development academy trying to figure out the name of it and how exactly it was going to work where they're going to play and just the whole structure of it um, so by the time the end of the year came up and the Development Academy was actually created, I was training for nearly a year with the first team. So, you know, it was, it was a crazy process. Um, and by the, I think by 2008, I officially signed, uh, you know, my, my first contract, which was, you know, obviously it was the first homegrown player. So it was, it was just a whole lot that happened that most people didn't know about. And everything happened pretty quickly. Yeah, man. It's, so it, it sounds like they were kind of like in the process of developing the DA. And I always forget how young or how new the DA really is. So yeah. that was like 2008. So that's less than 10 years ago. It was, it was actually maybe 2007, to be okay. honest with you. So about, um, ten, about 10 years. Wow, man. The, yeah. the, the academy yeah. just, it's so new. It is. It is. And that's, that's one of the th reasons why, um, to, to go even a little bit further back, I started playing competitively, uh, at club soccer when I was, you know, 13 or 14. And, um, I was the best player on my team. I, you know, I played with a gold level team and, and then, um, 
you know, the, the only issue was that at that age group, I was initially a striker. That's what I played in recreational soccer. And, and that's what this team, the club team picked me up to play, but I was very athletic and they started moving me around the field and I played striker. I played sweeper. I played right back, left back, center mid. I played everything. And, um, you know, I was complaining and I said that I wanted to play striker. And by time they put me up at striker, you know, I would run through the kids and, and by time I got in front of the goal, I would take a shot and it's, you know, so far over the bar, I was missing the target and my confidence was getting lower. And, you know, my uncle saw them. He was like, you know what? We need to pull you away from this team because, you know, you're not developing, you know, that that's a big thing. That's, that's, you know, you're so talented as a striker, um, but you're just not given the opportunity to play. So why don't you come and play with my U17 team at the time? And to be honest with you, I was freaked out. I, you know, once you, when you're a kid and at that U17 age, that's when, you know, there's a big difference between playing with little kids and kind of, uh, you know, teenagers, you know? So I was just this little scrawny kid and the thought of playing with, you know, grown men in my eyes at that time was scary. So, I didn't do it and I continued to play with that team, that club team. And a year later I was on the verge of, of quitting altogether. Uh, I just wasn't enjoying soccer. I wasn't enjoying the, the politics that came with playing club soccer, you know, as a kid whose parents didn't have a whole lot, you know, I wasn't, uh, you know, I wasn't paying to play for this club team. I just brought my ability and that was good enough. And you had parents who were paying and they were frustrated that, you know, their kids weren't getting an opportunity. And there was just so much that went on. Um, so I was fed up with it. And I was going to quit soccer and play and just skateboard. And that was my plan. And it got to a point where I was literally crying every day after training sessions and games because I just, I wasn't enjoying it and I wasn't learning. I felt stagnant. And that was the, the point where I went to Brazil for the first time. You know, uh, my uncle said, hey, before you quit, just let's go to this summer camp um, that I've been that he's been taking his players to and, and see if you like it, you know, and, and just get a breath of fresh air and try to enjoy the game again. And that's exactly what that trip was. And it was amazing because my whole my whole world was flipped upside down. There was just, you know, so much more to soccer than the little bubble that I was living in and I was exposed to a different level of training um, a different method and an idea of training and when I came back and I saw club soccer I was shocked you know and to be honest with you I had never told anybody outside of this uh, outside of my small circle but I you know the first time I went to a club soccer game which was the day after I landed back in the U.S. after my trip um, I was I honestly asked my uncle, why does everyone suck? You know, it was that bad. Like the the level was just, it was just completely different to be honest with you. It was night and day. I was like, these guys can't control the ball. They can't do this. You know, it was just, it was shocking to me. And that's when it became apparent that I couldn't play in this country at that time anymore. If I really wanted to compete and do something and make it as a professional, I had to get out of the country. You know, so it was it was an eye opening experience to say the least. It's interesting to hear you talk about your uncle and your brother, um, mm-hmm. be- because when you talk about them at certain points, it, you talk about them and yourself as if you guys are like a team. 
Like, like yeah. you guys are all making a, a, a decision together or you guys are all, you know, playing together or, or something like that. When, yeah. when do you think that started for you? That's honestly, that started when, um, I think when I was 13, uh, my brother started training with my uncle, uh, earlier than, than I did. And, um, real, real you know, quick, Tristan, d- describe, describe your uncle. Cause you keep saying he's a trainer and he's got these teams and connections in Brazil. So who, who yeah. is this guy? Like, is he so, like the, the Don Juan of, uh, <laughs> of soccer in SoCal or what? His name, so his name is Hugh Carter. Um, and, uh, you know, the, he had a few teams when we were younger. Uh, it was called North star. They competed obviously in Cal South. Um, and they were a silver elite team. And, um, I think at the time he had, it was a U 17 team and a U 19 team. And my uncle, you know, my family is Jamaican. So, you know, he played soccer a little bit growing up. That's, you know, in Jamaica, you either do soccer or track and field, obviously. And, um, you know, he was a track and field guy. And once he came, he had an opportunity to go to college at the university of Pittsburgh. And he went there and he was, while he was there one day, they were just playing soccer and, um, you know, there was this play that he describes where a guy had a ball, he was going on a breakaway and my uncle literally ran from one end to the field, hawked him and then got the ball, ran all the way back and scored a goal. And apparently the soccer coach was watching him. And at that time they, he was like, Hey, we want you to play on the team. So he started playing, wasn't that great of a player at all didn't make it anywhere to, you know, you know, he, he honestly didn't take it seriously. Um, but he did develop a love for the game, you know, and, and he's the way his mind works. He's just very meticulous. So from that point on, after he left college, he was, you know, analyzing soccer a bit more and, and he started having a few club teams and stuff like that. And he eventually stopped coaching club and was just coaching players individually. And, you know, Obviously, seeing me play and, and going through what I was going through, he knew that uh, he could help me in a, in a big way. So uh, at that time, you know, going from Brazil and coming back, and once I made that realization, you know, he was like, hey, Chris, listen to me. He pulled me aside and he says, if you train with me, I can make you become a professional by the time you're 17. You have everything. You have the potential the body, the skill set, the mind, you have all the attributes, but we just got to polish you up. And I, as a 14 year old kid with low confidence, um, I didn't believe it. I couldn't even look him straight in the eyes when he said that to me. I just smiled and laughed because I thought it was so far fetched, you know? Um, we didn't have any direct link between these teams and professional at that time. So the whole concept of playing professionally, I never understood it. You know, so it just it was a crazy idea, but he truly made me believe it because I saw the conviction and and how certain of what he's uh, how certain he was. So I said, hey, whatever, I'll give it a try. Um, and then we just started taking those steps. You know, I started training with my brother and, and my uncle. And, you know, we literally broke down every aspect of the game, you know, what it is to be a, what it means to be a striker. Um, what my strengths were, what my weaknesses were. I started analyzing games. I started looking at the best players in the world. And, and growing up, Thierry Henry was my favorite player, and I would just watch hours and hours of, of him finishing. And we'd go out and we'd work on every, literally every aspect of the game. 
um, between the time I was 14 up until when I signed my first contract. And I didn't play with club teams after that. You know, every now and again, I, I you know, participated in a national cup. Um, but I didn't, I honestly didn't play games consistently from the age of 14 up until when I signed um, with the with the Galaxy. So, you know, we did everything completely different from the status quo, you know. Um, and people thought it was crazy. My, my team administrator and the club soccer coach uh, for my club team thought we were crazy and said, hey, you know what, you're going to ruin this kid's life. Um, and when they gave us our paper, our release paperwork, um, you know, the, the team administrator just kind of said, hey, you know, good luck. You know, just kind of laughing like you, you don't know what you're doing. We were going to help you get to college and you're just throwing it all away. And um, that's something that was that motivated me um, from that point on. Just prove everyone wrong. And, you know, we did it. <laughs> it was a crazy ride and there was a whole lot that happened. But, um, you know, he, he definitely made me believe in myself and, you know, over the course of the the next three years from 14 to 17, you know, I spent so many hours on the field and, and watching games and analyzing it and didn't have a social life and, and missed out on all the things that normal kids do at that time, you know, going to parties or, you know, high school football games and stuff like that. But we had a goal in mind and, you know, we were extremely relentless about accomplishing it. And, and I think, we created a bubble around us, um, and I just kind of fell off the face of earth. And that was the best thing that could have ever happened to me. Dude, it, it almost sounds like in, in kind of I, – I don't mean this in a, in, a, in a mean way by any means, so please don't take it bad. But mm-hmm. LA Galaxy kind of gets the credit for developing you when it, like all credit seems like it should go to you and your uncle. It's, it's, all for, it's all his credit, you know, and I even say it on my podcast um, – you know, he deserves everything. I am where I am today because of him. You know, I I didn't give up on soccer because of him. I developed into the player that I am today because of him. Um, all my ambitions and everything that I, I, I want to accomplish and still intend on accomplishing in soccer, um, it, it kind of started with him. And then as I've grown, gotten older and, and, you know, develop my own passion and, um, desire for the game, you know, I can, it all stems back to him, you know? And, you know, I, I, I honestly don't know where I would be today if it wasn't for him to be a hundred percent honest with you. I don't know if I would have earned a college scholarship. I don't even think I would have played, um, after a few more years, to be honest with you. That's nuts, man. Yeah. Yeah. And then, you know, the galaxy, when I, when I joined the galaxy, you know, nowadays the, the academy is, is much more developed and you see all the things that are going on with them and, and it's great. But, you know, when I was there, they, they did this thing where it was a certain amount of hours um, where you had to complete before you can sign as a homegrown player. And, you know, there was just there was no structure whatsoever. Um, and, and even at the youth level, I, you know, with the Galaxy I played with, you know, they had this under 20 team. I participated in that. I went to the under 17, I think it was called the Sum Cup back then. I don't know what the name of it is now. It's probably the Generation Adidas or something like that. Um, but there was there was nothing there. I came almost as a finished product, you know, and, and 
it just so happened that we were, you know, looking for a place to get ready for my next adventure. And that's how uh, the LA Galaxy came about. Yeah, I'd be really curious to be a fly in the wall in like the, the office of, I'm sure it was was U.S. Soccer or MLS headquarters and, and how they're trying to develop those rules for how they're going to define a homegrown player at that yeah. time because I have a feeling that now it, it's so much different with with the way that like the structure of the DA is and and I actually the, the DA is set up pretty damn well in my opinion now mm-hmm. um, but in the in those early days man they, they were probably like scrambling to figure something out. Uh, yeah. And, and another thing that people don't realize is that now we have, I, you know, I say polished, um, system compared to when I was growing up, you know, Oh uh, night, yeah. Night, night and day different than 10 years yeah, ago. Completely different. And I think some people fail to realize, like when I sit back, um, and I, and I reflect upon my playing career so far, there's, I, I, I'm, I feel unsettled. I feel like there's so much that I have to offer that I haven't, you know, lived up to. I, I haven't lived up to my full potential. And I think, you know, I struggle with um, not making excuses sometimes. Um, but when you really look back, the facts are that, you know, um, there were I didn't play games from the age of 14 to 17, and that was by choice. I, I was developing myself and, and ensuring that I was ready for the professional level. Um, but once I did get to the professional level, my first year as a professional, the development, uh, the, the reserve league was, was scrapped. So my first year, you remember in 2008, there was David Beckham on the team, uh, Eddie Lewis, Chris Klein, Edson Buttle, Landon Donovan, uh, you know, Greg Berhalter, all these high level guys that, you know, everyone's played, like a lot of guys played in the EPL. Um, they're on the U S national team and stuff like that. And I'm just this little scrawny kid with tons of potential coming into that. And I'm, you know, when I signed, I'm competing against these guys for, for a job. You know what I mean? And, um, there were no games for me there at that time. There were, there were no, players going out on loan the idea of a loan was kind of strange you know do do we loan a player for a game do we loan them for a weekend there was it was just still underdeveloped so I get in there and you know not having much game experience at that point um and then there was still not no there weren't any games for me to play um, and then obviously, you know, you go from being a kid to then being a professional. Um, there's so much that happens, you know, getting, getting your driver's license, you know, getting your first car. And then, you know, I, I was, my uncle drove me to practice every day. And then, you know, then all of a sudden I'm driving myself to practice every day. And then you, you're earning a salary and how do you manage that? And there was just a lot that happened at once and then you you put on top of that not playing games and then your confidence kind of going a little bit lower because of that and when you are playing games it's like learning all over again you know and and there's a huge jump between youth soccer to professional soccer little nuances that most people don't take into consideration or even realize and um, that's something that I had to adapt to and, and adjust uh, my game accordingly once I got there. And it was, it was kind of learning as you go. 
per se. There was no smooth transition whatsoever. Um, so, you know, my, my entire first year as a professional, I played one minute. And that was against San Jose in San Jose. Literally one minute. I touched, I think I, I touched, the, I, got, I got the ball, I dribbled at one guy, he kicked it out for a throw, and I threw the ball in, I was going to get it back, and the, the game was over. You know, so your first, you know, the first year was one minute. And then, you know, that was a bit demoralizing a hit to my confidence. And then, you know, I went back to the drawing board and I said, this is never going to happen again. And, you know, the second year, you know, before preseason started, I was working my butt off, you know, training, working hard and doing things that I did in the past to get to that level. And everything was completely different by that time. You know, and I started playing more and more and more. But, you know, it was it was a rough transition. And then, you know, after 2010, when I had a, a breakout year, I was traded. You know, so it was there was there's just so much that goes into it that most people don't realize and realize how hard of a transition that was for a young kid coming into a professional environment. It's interesting you mentioned that too. So I just I just interviewed somebody named Raven, Raymond Verheijen. He's a Dutch guy. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if you're familiar with him, but um, he was a was a good player and ended up having to uh, retire early at the age of 18 and got into coaching at a very young age. And so by the time he was in his mid 20s, he was actually an assistant coach with the Dutch national team. Mm-hmm. And at one point during our interview, he mentioned that he. Um, he he thinks in hindsight that that was probably too early that he hadn't fully developed as a coach or even as maybe even as like a young man at that point and all of a sudden he was in charge of you know some of the best players in the world so i'm i'm, I'm actually kind of curious looking back at that decision to sign that contract at like 17 years old and jump in there with the first team guys do you I see regret is a bad word. It has such like negative connotations, but like, do you, do you, would you have done anything differently now? Like looking back? Not, you know, it's, it's challenging to say, um, I'm extremely grateful for that opportunity and for the experience. I mean, how many guys are able to say that they were training with that high level of players at the age of 16 and, and being groomed to, be the next person to take over dude um, dude i i actually i trained with david beckham too mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> I, I, had, I did like a week at exos but when it was still a athlete's performance when i was like 20 uh, years old and it was okay. it was beckham's first week at la galaxy it was yeah. actually his first day he was doing his vo2 max test and i was like oh, on a okay. treadmill next to him <laughs> so I, I always say, oh, yeah, I trained with David Beckham and Landon Donovan and all those guys. Yeah, sorry, I interrupted you. <laughs> no, no, no. Um, but, but, yeah, like, you know, to be honest with you, it was, it was an amazing experience. And, and I, I don't regret that at all. Um, what I wish happened more was, was probably the fact that there were more games. Maybe the, the system was set up a little bit more to help um, my development continue to 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 go an upward uh you know upward direction as opposed to i felt like it was very stop and start stop and start you know i would you know do well and then there was something that happened you know i'd do well again and then there's something that happened maybe you know so you know i i don't regret signing that contract at 17 um i just wish things were probably a little bit different um but but at the same time you know my my family has never been one to allow me to make excuses for myself. 
and and those are the circumstances and it, and it, and it is what it is and and at the end of the day um you know as a professional no one cares about your life story per se no one cares why you're not playing at the end of the day it's when they pay their money their hard-earned money to come see you in the stadium they expect excellence and that's it and i think refraining from um you know looking back and complaining and saying hey you know i wasn't afforded these luxuries that kids are afforded these days um you know that was that's what enabled me to take the next step in my career and say, Hey, you know what? I don't care what disadvantages I'm at. I, I have again, what I'm facing right now, but I'm just going to make the most of the situation and I'm going to figure out a way to compete with these guys. And, you know, because of that, I think it's allowed me to grow more as a person and a player. Um, even, even to the, this very day where, um, you know, I'm in and out of Europe um, it's, it's been challenging finding teams year in and year out. Um, and, and I have to be very selective of where I position myself. Um, you know, what teams I'm going to play for, what my next moves are. Um, but at the end of the day, I still know that I have a whole lot to offer and people still haven't seen the best of me. And, and that's the scary thing is, is because, you know, I can still more than hold my own with, any MLS team. It's just a matter of, Hey, you know what? You're not for, I mean, you're not 16 anymore. You're 26. So we expect a little bit more out of you and I'm not far off. Right. It's just a matter of getting the opportunity, um, being prepared for the opportunity once it comes and, and making sure that when I do step in to that, into the league again, it's, Hey, you know what? This is a different guy altogether. This is not the Tristan that we we've known. Uh, in the past, he's there's something different. He walks with a, a different level of confidence. He's he exuberates a, a different level of confidence on the field, you know. And and that's what I'm working on now is identifying what my strengths are, what I want to, um, the area of the field that I want to dominate. And when people think of me, they think of, you know, a goal scorer, power, speed, intelligence, technical ability, all those things. So it's. Right now, it's like I'm back on the drawing board and I'm recreating myself and making sure that I'm not the same player once people see me again by time I, I do uh, get in front of them. What is life like for you right now? I mean, you're, you, you kind of mentioned you're in and out of Europe. Maybe mm-hmm. it sounds like you're trying to get your way back into MLS. Mm-hmm. Do you still, I mean, do you still have like an agent? Is there somebody actively like kind of working on your behalf to get you back in MLS or is it all on you? It's for the most part, it's, it's all on me. Um, to be a hundred percent honest with you, I have a few, you know, since I left the MLS, there were a few agents that, you know, I work with in passing and when they're opening different doors. And the thing is, is that most agents here in the U S um, don't have that great of connections in Europe. So it's kind of, you know, you figure it out as you go, you know, you're making connections when you go to different places and this guy knows another guy, another agent, and you just build relationships and one person opens a door and that's how you kind of get in. So when, once I decided to, I don't know if a lot of people know this, but when I left the Seattle Sounders, um, I was offered, I think it was a five-year deal in New England. And, 
one of the question marks that I've always had was whether I can make it in Europe or not. And a big reason why I turned down that contract was because I wouldn't want my career to end without me testing myself against the very best in Europe. So with nothing set up, I, I turned down the contract and I said, you know what, I'm going to prepare myself for a trial in Europe. So for the next six months, I trained on my own um, while guys were, you know, with MLS teams and, and all that stuff and playing games and, and, you know, progressing as players, I trained and, and I went to Europe and, you know, I went, I made a stop in Germany. Everything was looking extremely well. Um, but they had an issue with, you know, how many youth players they had to sign and, you know, meet their quota and stuff like that. Um, which is actually a law in, in German football, which is great. They have to have five, I think under 23 players per roster and by a certain date and I came when they didn't meet their quota so it was either sign me with my salary or you know three other youth players so that was kind of a no-brainer um and then you know I found my way to to Finland and then you know did well in Finland and then after that earned um a spot on the team in Sweden the following year so you know a lot of the stuff that I do now is you know going back to the drawing board with my uncle and just like we did things in the old days and just step it up another notch. Um, obviously because I'm a grown man now, I can do more things than I was able to do when I was 14, 15, 16. Um, so we just, we were back at the drawing board and recreating, uh, this monster that I know I, I should be and that I have the potential to be. Um, so recreating that. So a day to, a day in the life of, you know, my life is wake up at five o'clock. I'm in the gym by six. I do a 75-minute uh, workout in the gym, um, and then after that, I'm on the field at 8 o'clock, and I do another two hours on the field, and I'm done with my training for the day by the time it's 12 o'clock, and then the rest of the day, I'm working on my podcast and a few other businesses that I have. So, you know, it's, it's, it's a grind. It's a grind, but, you know, that's what I've had to do my entire life, and this is what's worked for me and a lot of people don't understand the way we we do things the way we move um but it's always worked out and i trust in that process and the the thing that keeps me going is knowing my abilities and the scary thing is is that you know guys are playing year-round with mls teams and you know i can step in without playing with a team and not be that far off the mark if at all you know this past season when i was Past off uh, preseason when I was with New England, I was there until the last week of the of the preseason. You know, and, and you know the coaching staff came up to me and said, "Hey, it was, it's extremely the hardest decision we've had to make all preseason." Um, but you know, this right now it's not a good fit. There's a lot of competition in your spot, and we think you can go to another MLS team and play right away. You know, so that's a huge confidence booster. Obviously, it sucks that I didn't sign there. Um, but at the same time, it, it just goes to show that I'm not far off and there's a few things that I need to do to brush up on and, and just kind of step back onto the scene, uh, the, the following, the next preseason and make sure that that doesn't ever happen again. So, you know, that's what keeps me going, to be honest with you, that I'm not far off, you know? Um, and, and this, like I said, the scary thing is, is, you know, 
I haven't played consistently. So I know that once I play consistently and I'm under the right coaching staff and, and I have people that believe in me and believe in my ability and, and uh, I prove that I deserve that opportunity, there's, there's some scary times ahead for the defenders in the MLS or wherever I end up landing. Yeah, are, are you are you kind of setting your sights on MLS or something like USL or like a like a PDL? Is that just is that out of the question for you, or is for that me, a wait? For me, uh, in order for me to go back to Europe, I, I told myself that I need to take a step up. So um, you know, at this age, um, with the experience that I have, I have to be very cautious of the next moves. And, and the reason is, is, you know, I played in the MLS for six or seven years, I think, I think it's six years. And if I take a step down and play in the USL or NASL and I'm not putting up the right amount of numbers, um, that's not attractive to an MLS team. Right. And I see a lot of guys, they take the step down into the USL and they never get back up. Right. So, you know, it's, for me, it's not necessarily, um, a matter of, like shunning the lower leagues, but just understanding that um, we've always thought ahead, you know, and, and perception, unfortunately, means a whole lot, right? So, you know, and there's a lot of things that are out of your control once you do, uh, you know, take a step down. You don't know, say, for instance, when I was in Stockholm this last year, I was a part of a, a second division club and the team did extremely well. And I came in, you know, once the season started and you know, there were instances where you have guys that are playing for themselves. You know, um, they're, they're taking shots from all over the field because they want to show the first division coaches that they're the guy and they can make the difference on the team. So, you know, there were a lot of instances where maybe I was in a position to score a goal, but a guy is taking a shot that he shouldn't be taking because he's trying to show well. So, you know, there's certain things that are out of your hands, and, and that could have obviously helped my stats per se. Uh, having more goals to my name but when people look up how many how well did you do how did you perform during that year they don't see the guy that didn't pass that ball they see that you only scored x amount of goals you've had x amount of minutes you had x amount of assists and at the end of the day that's the only thing that matters so my mindset is making sure that if i do take a step down to the lower leagues then it's on the right team with the right coaching staff I'm able to develop, continue to develop. Um, so there's a lot more that goes into that decision. And um, I have to be very methodical and, and about where I do play next. Um, because at the end of the day, that's what coaches are looking for, how productive you are on the field. And a lot of times, you know, I'm not sure what it's like now, but I don't know if there's a lot of MLS coaches watching the lower leagues, right? So you can kind of just get lost there. And that's something that I'm with... Uh, wary of yeah i got you i got you it's kind of it's an interesting time though to be talking about like exposure in the lower leagues because you you have a match i think uh taylor twelman just tweeted out like maybe 30 minutes ago or an hour ago that fc cincinnati versus i i think the crew or (laughs) or dc united i can't remember who who they're matched up with in the next round but um but for U.S. Open Cup, ESPN is going to possibly air that game. So it's like, yeah. yeah, if you're if you're methodical about like where where you get placed, and 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 if you go to like a USL team or a lower division team like a Cincinnati, where mm-hmm. they're selling out games and twenty thousand, thirty thousand people, like that's right. badass. 
then then, yeah. you're, then you're in the right environment. But I, I would completely get it. Like you don't want to be in, you know, freaking Nebraska at you know Joe Schmo's <laughs> PDL whatever extravaganza. Yeah. Yeah. Well, PPL circus. is definitely <laughs> out of question. That's that's not even an option. Yeah. Uh, but USL and NESL, and I was, I never, I I never said, hey, I'm not going to do it. It's just if the right opportunity presents itself, then sure. You know, I actually got a message from an agent today, like literally an hour ago, asking me about a particular opportunity. You know, so it's something that I have to weigh up and you know weigh the pros and cons, and and there's, you know there's a lot that goes into it. So it's just making sure that it's with the right organization and, and coach. And, you know, th- there's one thing that I didn't uh, consider when I was younger that I do now is, you know, what systems are they playing? How does this coach see you fitting in? You know, th- how does the team play? Are you going to be someone that is allowed to stand out? You know, is, is how does, you know, so there's, there's just a whole lot that I think some people don't think about before they put themselves in situations. And that's something that, you know, obviously after leaving the MLS and, you know, going abroad and into Europe, I realized how, how meaningful it is to play for the right coaches, um, that, that, and also playing within the right system that highlights your strengths. So there's, there's a lot that I'm, I'm learning um, and, and that I'm trying to implement moving forward. And then in the meantime, you're a businessman and an entrepreneur and you host a podcast and all kinds yeah. of other stuff. Uh, yeah. I, yeah. I definitely want to transition in, into talking about your podcast really quick because mm-hmm. I, I listened to, I, I listened to actually a handful of your episodes and, and okay. it's cool because the, uh, the second portion of, of your podcast, or I guess the, 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 a pros tip. So you, you host a, a podcast called a pros life and the approach, yeah. a pros tip is they're quick, man. It's like five minutes, yeah. 10 minutes and, and you're on yeah. to the next one, which yeah. those are super cool. Um, right. but Thank my, you. my, my favorite one that I've listened to so far is with Greg Garza. And, okay. Yeah. That was and, one of my favorites as well. And when you were talking a little bit ago about, you know, having, having to deal with the agents and who's opening what door and whatnot, listening to Greg talk about his horrific experience, with mm-hmm. agents in Europe that that is yeah. eye opening and that side of the business is something yeah. that that number one I think needs to be exposed and, and number yeah. two is just not understood by the general public. Yeah. And that's exactly why I created the podcast, to be honest with you. Like, you know, there it, it's it's been a long time coming. I had this concept for about two years. Um and to be honest with you, I was really scared about producing it and, and putting it out. Um, you know, it, Part of the reason why is just being uh, uncertain as to how people are going to receive it. Um, but the more and more I sat down and thought about my own journey, I thought it was selfish of me if I didn't do it. And it's by no means perfect. I'm still learning as I go, um, you know, the, the technical and the part of it of, you know, editing and all that other stuff. But oh, I hate that part. <laughs> yeah, you know, but but I've been getting a lot of good receptions and a uh, reception from it. And the, the reason I created is, is, you know, not a lot of people know about me. Not a lot of people know about Garza's true story. Not a lot of people know about us. And part of the reason why is because, you know, it's well known within 
the professional uh, amongst professional athletes that we're wary of exposing certain things to reporters because once you tell your side of the story, you don't know how it's going to be uh, portrayed in the media. So I thought it was awesome to create this platform in which players are able to come on and and share their stories through their own uh, words and and know that I don't edit anything. I literally don't edit any of the conversations. Whatever they say, I put it out there. And they're able to just tell the real, the real story behind how they got there. And the crazy thing is, is that even Garza, like I've known Garza since I was 15 or 14 with an under-15 national camp. And I had no clue that he went all around Scandinavia and they said no. You know, and, and it's crazy because he then goes to a Bundesliga 2 team and they say, hey, we like you, we want to sign you. And the level between Scandinavia and Bundesliga 2 is completely different. You know, I've, I've been to both Scandinavia and in Germany and I saw the level, you know, so it kind of goes to show like, for one, you, you can't, uh, you can't take one coach's opinion of you, uh, too seriously because there's the soccer world is massive. You know, one person might not like you, but another person will be all for you. And, and the second thing is just to kind of show that, um, you know, whenever I've gone out and I've shared my story, there's always been a handful of kids within that crowd that have been able to connect with me on a deeper level. And I've gone through similar things that they're currently going through. And it's just kind of giving them a roadmap of, of how to navigate that. And I just thought it was amazing that I was in a position where a lot of professional players who are, you know, obviously successful, um, I'm able to sit down with them and they trust me enough uh, that I'm going to portray them in the best light possible. So, you know, I think that's why this podcast is, has a potential to be extremely big. Um, and I think it's something my goal is to make it a resource for all kids um, growing and, and obviously for professional players as well, because as I'm listening to it and as I interview other players, I get so much from it. You know, and, and the second segment of the show is called the pros tip, like you said, where callers or, or listeners can call in. Uh, they can visit my website and record a question directly on there and I'll answer it as best as I possibly can. Um, and it's a quick thing. It's, it's five minutes like the one I just did yesterday um, was five minutes. And it's just answering questions that, you know, kids are curious about. And it's something that I wish I had growing up. You know, there I didn't have access to professional players. We're a bit isolated, to be honest with you. And um, outside of, you know, our social media platforms, which often show sometimes, to be honest, an unrealistic view of what our life is like, we show the best parts. Um, you know, it gives some insight of what the life is truly like. You know, uh, the training behind closed doors that no one sees, the... You know, Garza has a crazy, crazy story. You know, he was he was on the verge of quitting, you know, and, and you know, there's there's a lot of guys around the league or around the world that that go through that. You know, um, I'm currently working on getting Daniel Sturge on the, the, the podcast. I got a really good connection to him, so it might happen. But he has a crazy story, too. You know, so there's, there's so many guys out there and it's like kids have no idea and parents don't have an idea or the, like you said, the general public doesn't have an idea of what it takes to get to that level. So that's what I'm trying to 
to do with the podcast. You know what I think you're going to experience is that it's not only going to be a good resource for players and mm-hmm. it's going to be a great resource for coaches as well, how to yeah. guide, how to oh. guide their players. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and I, I honestly think, you know, like I said, I was really scared to put it out. Um, my girlfriend is the one that really pushed me to do it. And of course, uh, they, they always are. <laughs> yeah. You know, because you know what, at my lowest moments, you know, the, the lowest moment in my career was in Seattle. I, I had a, a string of injuries. I, I had really high hopes going into that, onto that team. I thought it was going to just kind of reset my career and, and put me on the right pathway. And I was ready for it. And just a series of unfortunate events happened. And, you know, I was at my lowest of lows and I, I didn't know what to do with myself. And I just, I really started to contemplate whether I can make it, you know, whether I can really do well in soccer or not, you know, fulfill my potential. And at the time she said, Hey, you know what, sweetheart, maybe you should, you know, I'm not saying soccer is not going to work, but you, you, what are you going to do after, you know, like that's something you need to think about. And I was really upset that she said that to me. Um, and, and, you know, it kind of felt like a kick in the gut when I was at my lowest of lows. Um, but I started to think about that and I said, Hey, you know what, if my, if I broke my leg today, what would I be able to do at the end of it all? You know, and I started, you know, doing some soul searching and saying, what do I want to do? You know, and I thought of the podcast because I was listening to a lot of podcasts by that time. And, and there's just a ton of value that, you know, other podcasts provided in my life. And I said, you know what, maybe coaching kids, maybe, um, public speaking. And somehow I figured out this concept of a pro's life. And, you know, it's something that obviously I, you know, will be around for as long as I live. Um, I I don't have any intention of stop of not doing the podcast, but, um, it's something that I'm able to stay connected to soccer, give to the up and coming generation. And I'm truly passionate about it. You know, I really love it. And, and it's, it's a lot of work, but you know, when I get messages from kids saying that, you know, I got a message yesterday and I posted it and let me see if I can find it really quick. But this kid basically said, Hey, I'm not that great of a player, but, um, after finding your podcast, it's given me the inspiration to continue fighting for my dream. You know, I was on the verge of quitting and it's like, when I read those messages, I get tearful, tear eyed, teary-eyed and and it's crazy because you know I was I was that I was that kid not too long ago you know and just knowing that it's having an impact on people and it's unbelievable and seeing you know I I look at the site stats and see how many people are are downloading and just seeing how it's growing it's crazy you know I don't I'm trying to make connections with people and figure out who exactly is listening to it and how I can better help um, anyone that's listening but you know, it's, it's just, it's unbelievable. It's, it's truly remarkable to have that impact on a lot of people, that many people. Real quick. Can you, can you tell people where they can, uh, they can get your episodes and, and find more about the, uh, show that you're doing? Yeah. Yeah. So it's available on iTunes, on Stitcher, SoundCloud. Um, I'm working on getting it onto YouTube. I'm creating a studio where, I'll have, uh, you know, as players come into LA to play their games, you know, I want to do, uh, an on video on camera 
interview and also make that available on YouTube. Just I'm, I'm trying to make sure that it's available on all platforms. So however you like to consume your, your, your media, it's, it's there. Um, you can also follow a pros life podcast on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. I'm most active on Instagram. I think that's where my niche is going to be at. Um, and also a proslife.com. And, you know, if any kid has a question that they'd like to be answered, they can just go to the pros tip section of the website and record it directly there. It's so simple and just send it to me. I get a notification and I, I feature it on the show. Yeah, man. Instagram, you're definitely active. I, I think that's where I came across you. And because mm-hmm. I, I think it was something that a Moby posted, a yeah. Moby Akugo, and, and <clears throat> I, I noticed that he posted that he was on your show. I reached out to you. And mm-hmm. as I'm, as I'm reaching out to you, I'm like, well, shit, I should ask a Moby to be on my show too. So, <laughs> so I, I actually yeah. got him on the podcast. Yeah. I talked to him, I talked awesome. with him a couple of days ago. So yeah, yeah. He's a great guy. The man. soccer world is yeah. so small, man. It's like when you start to it draw is. that web of connections, it's, mm-hmm. it's like, okay, so I, I just interviewed you and your buddies with Greg Garza who spent time in the, in the residency program at, in, in Florida. <laughs> and, and then yeah. you, you trace that back to how many other people have been there. And, and then it's like, you know, the six degrees of separation in us soccer is, is it's usually more like two or three. Yeah. It's nuts. You to know, and that's you to the top. That's the thing where, uh, you know, one of the things that I'm working on is, you know, obviously it's crazy because having this podcast is giving me more passion for playing, you know? Um, and, and, you know, part of the reason why is, is, you know, seeing these other guys that I grew up with being still being extremely successful and I want all that success and then more, but also understanding that the more success I I achieve on the playing field, the bigger this podcast can grow and the more kids I can reach, you know? So for my own selfish reasons, I still want to play because I know that I'll be able to have more of a voice when it comes to, kids listening it, it validates you a little bit more you know and and obviously the more the players share this stuff on their social media you know you found me that way we connected that way you know and just getting this message out i truly believe that you know this is something that every kid should be listening to you know and, and over a course over a period of time it's it's just going to get even better you know like i said this is a project that i'm doing at home and i'm still figuring it out and it's scary because it's it's more than doubled within the two months that I've I started it. You know the the audience has doubled, the lit, the downloads have doubled, and you know there's so much more. It could get so much better. You know, so I, I just I'm so excited about it. You know, and and just to have that effect on people. Yeah, man, it's it's badass when you start to see like the the audience grow. But mm-hmm. one thing that I've experienced, and, and you're going to get there too if you're not already there, it's like you, 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 at one point you're accountable. Like your audience can hold you accountable. And so if you don't put out an episode, they're like, what the fuck, man? Like, we, like yeah. we're waiting. Yeah. <laughs> Even the crazy thing is like yesterday, um, I hired a sound engineer to kind of help me put in the, do the editing portion of the podcast, which, you know, obviously there's no editing with the the interviews, but just adding intros and outros. We're getting really technical here, but where, where did you do that? At? I'm, I'm curious. Cause I would love to hire somebody to do that. Cause I'm terrible at it. I I'll actually shoot you a message. It's called, there's this website called Fiverr F I V V E R. Yeah. I've heard of it. Okay. Yeah. It's a great resource and, and it saved me so much time. And that was part of the reason why it took me so long to get the podcast out because I was trying to do everything by myself, you know? So now I have somebody on my team that I'm working with and 
say for instance, yesterday I recorded um, a pro's tip. And this episode of a pro's tip, I actually use the uh, the use the listener's voice for the first time. And um, there was a small error in there, and um, I wanted to send it back and and hopefully get the file back so I can release it on Thursday, which I usually do. And the sound engineer said, hey, you know what? We can't get it back to you on Thursday. I can get it to you Friday morning at the very the earliest. You know, and I was like, you know what? The hell with it. I need to be consistent because that's the biggest thing. If pe- if you're not consistent, yeah. they're going to be like, hey, where you are? Where are you? You know, just like I go live on Insta- on my Instagram feed every Friday at six o'clock. And last week I was in the middle of doing something and I got like 10 DMs and they're like, yo, where are you? Like. <laughs> You know, it was like, it's crazy, but it's, it's, it's great because you know that people are looking up to you and, and you're providing value in their lives. And that's what I hope to do. Continue to. That's cool, man. Mm -hmm. Um, anything else you you want, uh, you want to get out to the, to the listeners? I've had you for an hour, so I don't want to take up your entire Friday. Yeah, no. Um, you know, I just think that the soccer community is so small in the U S and, um, I think that we can be doing a better job of, you know, how we're developing the next generation, how we go about things. And, you know, I'm trying to do my piece and, uh, you know, I hope to help as many, as many people as possible and that there's so much more to look forward to with not only what I'm doing off the field, but, you know, once I do get back into the playing scene within the MLS, my big goal, honestly, is to be in LAFC next year. Uh, so, you know, I'm doing doing everything that I can humanly possible to to prepare myself for the next opportunity. So that's where I'm really going towards. That's badass, man. I wish yeah. you I wish you the best of luck for that. Uh, that's cool. Have, have you uh, have you said that out loud before to like an audience? No, no. This is this is the first first time I said that. And and to be honest with you, I was thinking about sharing it on my podcast because I think it it gives kids a you know I'm I'm giving out tips of how to be professionals and and stuff like that. And the cool thing is is that right now I'm out of contract, and I think there's no better way of proving the concept than me actually going through it, which is what I'm doing now. So, you know, I have a couple, couple things that I'm working on within the podcast and I I was going to make it known that, Hey, this is my goal. I'm letting it, I'm, I'm letting everyone know what it is ahead of time. And I want you to come along this journey with me. So let's put out our goal together and let's be accountable to one another. And we'll see where we are at the end of the year, because I think people truly underestimate how much you can accomplish in a year. You know, I just came back from a a small setback and and not being a part of this MLS season. But you know what? I have every intention on and being in the league next year and with my ideal club, which is LAFC. And, you know, I'm I'm going for it and I'm putting it out there and, and I'm working my ass off to accomplish it, you know, and there's no excuses for that. So as long as I open that, get that door open to me, I have every intention of making that team and being the face of the organization and, you know, continue to provide content because I'm an LA boy through and through. And I I think that there's no better story than, uh, you know, kind of like a Phoenix rising, you know, recreating myself player of the people. And I'm out here in this community and I'm, you know, 
I'm doing all the things that you need to do in order to make a difference. So, yeah. Absolutely, man. Um, all right, cool. Well, if, uh, if, if you remember, or maybe I'll bug you about it to, to send me that link for that sound engineer stuff. Cause I think yeah, that's yeah, actually that- the first question I asked you was like, what the hell is that red box you got in that picture? Cause, <laughs> I, cause I'm, I'm definitely trying to learn. Um, yeah. and, uh, I'll, I'll bug you about that. And then, uh, I'll probably shoot you, uh, I'll probably shoot you an email for uh, a couple of pictures and stuff to put on the, uh, to put in the, or include in the write up when I put on the website, but yeah definitely i definitely. Uh, i appreciate you making making some time for us and and thank you and and i think uh i, I think you're gonna have a couple people uh jumping over to your podcast for mine i hope so the more the <laughs> more the merrier and you know hey if there's anyone listening to this and they they think it'll be a good resource for someone that they know be sure to share it out you know and and as any of my listeners would tell you if they dm me i dm with a message back you know i'm, I'm very responsive and I am truly serious about making a difference in the soccer community. So I'm here to help. Hit Tristan in the DM. Yeah. (laughs) Comment, whatever, snail mail, you know, telegram, whatever. I'm, I'm always accessible and I'm here to help. All right, man. I appreciate it. And we'll, uh, we'll probably just catch up with you in the future. I'm going to, I'm definitely going to be following you close. So we'll catch up for sure. Thank you. I appreciate the support, man. All right, Tristan. We'll talk to you later. All right. Have a good one. Later. Thank you for listening to another episode of the 343 Podcast. And just a reminder, if you want to find more episodes of this podcast, you can head over to 343coaching.com. That's the number three, number four, number three, coaching.com. And while you're there, you can also find links to all of our articles. You can find links to our live in-person experiences, including our Players Club. And you can also find links to our free and our premium coaching courses. So head over to 343coaching.com. That's number three, number four, number three coaching.com and you can find everything that you need. Thank you for listening and we will catch you guys next time.